All right. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to another FPBFC Town Hall. Uh, with us tonight, we've got uh, Alex and Dan and Dave, and we've got a couple extra guests tonight. So uh, they've got some interesting, uh, uh, an interesting product to, to share and something that's definitely we've talked about here in the past. So Dave, I'll hand it over to you to introduce these two gentlemen and uh, what they've got to, to show us tonight. Great. Thanks, Josh. Uh, this is this is exciting for me. We have um, uh, Ken and Brian have developed a remote ID module. They received the FAA. I won't, won't steal all their thunder, but they did receive uh, FAA uh, declaration of compliance approval today, and so they have a, a working and approved uh, remote ID module that they've developed between the two of them. So this is uh, no mean feat, and it is also in compliance with the means of compliance. Uh, that the FAA uh, stipulates. Otherwise, you wouldn't get a declara declaration of compliance approval. And so I'd like uh, them to share some of uh, uh, what's uh, how, how they did it, how long it took, and how they managed as uh, two guys to, uh, to pull off the development of a, uh, of a remote ID module. And I just want to say that this is an amazing uh, effort uh, as uh, members of the FPV community, and my hat's off to both of them. Ken and Brian, who wants to start off? Ken, go ahead. Sure. Um, yeah, a nice introduction, Dave. So um, how to start out here. So when did this start? Oh, we'll give you a little bit of a, a story here. So I think uh, if you recall, I think I remember posting, do we need to do a GoFundMe type of thing to build remote ID modules, maybe back in December or January, because at the time, there really weren't any available that would suit our needs and the ones that were out there were really costly, heavy, big and all that sort of stuff. So I think I remember talking with Dave about that and it's like, well, I think I can do the, the, the software side of things, but I've got no notion of how to do the electronics, the board, the hardware and that sort of thing. And Brian, what was it? Maybe somewhere around there, I think you posted, does anybody know how to do some of this coding stuff more or less? And so, Long and short of it, this is where we got to now, based on some just conversations. So, um, so yeah, so we started out just um, working at it, and my background is such where um, I'm very much in the agile software development, and the concept of mean viable product is a thing that just is something that I drive home and take to heart. And so we were just looking for something that was small, sizable, could work. And we're just first goals were to just get the broadcast message out there. We had other additional goals of let's make it hook up to the flight controller, pass GPS through and all that sort of stuff. And so um, that's how we kind of managed it was we just need some things to work. Back in January, February, I don't think anybody knew what it would take to get an approval done. And so we were just going bare bones. We just want GPS. We just want to get the message broadcast. Every else, everything else is gravy if we can make this stuff work. Because if we can't get this approved, what's the point of doing all this work for all these other fancy things? What well, not fancy things? Things we really would like to have. It's just a pointless thing to do. So, what was your original target market for this? Like, what kind of drone were you envisioning this? What, what do you fly that you wanted to put this on? You want to run with that, Brian? <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I normally fly lightweight four and five inch, um, but I wanted something that would integrate into the community. Everybody's always got their niche, uh, uh, the freestyle guys, the long range guys, the 
uh, the racers and all, and all that stuff. And um, when the first couple came out, I, I started looking at them. I was like, there's, there's no way you're going to fit that on a four inch. There's no way you're going to fit that on a five inch. And uh, the hardware in it is, you know, not necessarily large. There was no reason for the modules to be that big. The drone has a battery in it. There's no reason to carry a battery. So you were looking um, at things so that started... were probably designed for a Mavic or some other drone, mm -hmm. not not the kind of thing you were imagining a remote ID module was going to be work for you for. Right, right. And um, I got two of them sitting behind me, and uh, we, uh, Dave's got some pictures we'll show later. And it it's almost you know effortless to install this thing on a drone. And um, you know, I think, I mean, my, my background. Where uh, Ken's got a heavy background in, in software engineering. I was actually a mechanic in the Navy. I operated nuclear power plants for twenty years, and uh, uh, a lot of a lot of electronics training. I played around with electronics when I was a kid. I was soldering when I was twelve, um, and it's just, I was like, you know what? I can, I can make one of these. I can make this hardware. It's not, not untrivial, but it's not impossible. So I started hammering it out and. Uh, Ken, Ken's like, you know, I could probably do this off. I was like, all right, let's let's give it a shot and so see where we go. Where did you guys virtually meet to come together to work on this? Was it a Facebook post or Discord or email or on the on the Discord, the FBC? Uh, okay, our FBVFC Discord. Discord server, sure. Oh, cool. That's cool. So I, I view this as kind of your basic old school FPV. When there's a need, you figure out how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And you guys can um, so. I, you all know I've got four decades of experience in global tech in hardware, software services, development, sales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, and you know also that uh, I was part of uh, deeply involved in the flight test broadcast module development. So I know, uh, and uh, I'm on the ASTM working group for the remote ID um, module, remote ID broadcast. And so, uh, that working group that created the means of compliance. So I knew uh, specifically uh, how hard this would be. And, you know, we were working through this. And so, um, Ken, when you reached out and you thought, and I heard from Brian, like, yeah, I can do this. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, a testament to, uh, to the two of you that you've done this uh, outside of uh, uh, your, your day jobs uh, and that uh, you've, um, uh, you, you've done this um, uh, so well and so light. Uh, um, Brian, would you like me to bring up some of the slides to sure. do a little show and tell here? Sure. Let's see if I can uh, if I can manage this. You can do it, Dave. <laughs> this is uh, the actual uh, bottom side of the module with the USB and uh, the. Uh, SH 1.0 connector for the, uh, this would be the plug that actually goes to the flight controller. Uh, there are six plugs on it. Uh, it's got power ground. It's got the RX and TX for the UART, and it will also pass through the uh, I2C port down. So if you have a, a, a mag on your GPS and you want to send that down to your uh, flight controller, it'll just pass it straight through. Just wire the one six pin plug. Uh, the actual dimensions are about uh, 24 millimeter uh, long and then about 14 millimeters wide. <clears throat> and it's actually sitting on a 3D printed mount for an Express LRS module that I, I'm actually living in a hotel room. I'm on business travel right now. I bought a 3D printer so I can 3D print stuff. So the people that clean my room think I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what you're doing in your spare time when you're on the road. 
And so there's the, the, so the it fits, separate from the carrier. Fits right into the 3D mm -hmm. print that was designed for the Express LRS module. It's basically the same size then? Yes. That's cool. cool. That's cool. Yeah. And a good, uh, good bit of uh, fortune there. And now the, uh, there's a separate GPS, but you know, but hang on, you know, I think yeah. if anyone out there is thinking, oh, geez, it's getting heavy already. Uh-uh. Wait, wait for it. This is a very, the, the, the weight on this thing is, is light. Yeah, the, the thing you see on the right, as actually uh, Ken was asking, is like, can we may just make this a module like some of the other ones where you just turn them on and you stick them on your drone? I was like, I guess. I looked at all the, the specs on the components we were using. I was like, this will probably run on 1S. I uh, bought a set of 100 milliamp hour 1S batteries. Uh, I soldered on an, uh, a JS, or an SH 1.0 connector to it and uh, plugged it in. Sure enough, it worked. Um, that's a micro, what is that, the Foxier? That's the Foxier micro GPS. And um, it ran for about a half an hour, a little over half an hour on a 100 milliamp hour 1S battery. Nice. <clears throat> nice. So, um, so here, here's, here's the weight with uh, one of the Flyfish uh, micro GPS modules. It's just under seven grams with uh, 120 millimeter connectors. So wow. connector, connectors, GPS, and the remote ID, 6.9 grams. I went this morning to weigh the module itself. I had somebody else ask me how much it weighed on my gram scale. It wouldn't even register. <laughs> of course, he had his thumb underneath it. <laughs> no, this is beautiful. This is a great mm -hmm. thing. And then let's see, I think you've added a battery yep. here. Yep. This is a, since I didn't have the 3D printer when I put this together, but uh, I actually used an SD card and some double-sided tape just to stick everything together. And that weighs 9.5 grams. So with some ancillary tape, nine and a half grams. That's outstanding. Mm -hmm. that, this is a home run. And then uh, this is... Uh, yeah. uh, zoom in on the, the left side arm. That's the, the actual module uh, zip tied oh, underneath okay. one of the arms. And this is a uh, ASIR 2 that I downloaded off a of Thingiverse and had uh, CNC Madness cut out the frames. Um, but the, G the micro GPS is actually underneath the 3D printed uh, canopy, not even exposed to the sky. It, the M10, uh, the module is only built for an M10 GPS. But uh, I think the Foxier ones are 20 bucks. The, the Goku ones are like 12 or 14 bucks. Oh, and nice. uh, it picks up satellites really quickly underneath the canopy. And uh, the module actually has four LEDs on it, one for power, uh, a green for GPS lock. It's got a, uh, a red uh, fault indicator if there's a fault or the GPS isn't connecting or you got the, the, uh, the UART backwards. And then it will have a... It has another LED that we can use for telemetry or some other troubleshooting or something in the future that we work on. Nice. And, and the you, FAA and Brian was Brian was rattling a... off a number of the uh, uh, FAA requirements uh, that uh, in those in that feature list. Go ahead, Dan. I was just wondering, the FAA didn't give you any hassle about the GPS being connected like that with long wires, and it didn't uh, cause any issues with tamper resistance or anything like that from the FAA. Um, this is not the first module without a, a dedicated GPS on board to be approved. And once I saw some of those that came out, I was like, I would, I'd much prefer have a separate GPS. That way you can, you know, you can put the, the module underneath and you can put the GPS on top. You can make it mm -hmm. removable. You can, you know, install a GPS on all your drones and move the module. 
Yeah, we were we were we were literally about that at first, and and I think as many of you have probably read all the the specs and requirements, and um, it's not what people expect the, re the what what the STM specs spell out probably is not what people understand things to be. So, yeah, it's within the specs. And um, uh, Dan's point, you know, had they uh, if you know you know tamper resistance, eh, you know, yeah, you know, no, shouldn't be an issue. <clears throat> um, so nicely done and like you say um i can think of uh, uh blue mark and drone tag uh, both have uh, gps that are uh, not uh, coincident with the uh, uh the board so i suppose if works, you work for tamper me. like tam if you cut the gps wires then obviously it's not going to get a gps signal and it's going to give you an error code or you said light or a something, fault indicator fault, yeah let you know that it's not functioning properly and that's what the fa is looking for anyway so Cool. And, and it's for a removable module or an add-on module. If if you wanted to tamper with it or make it not functional, you could just not <laughs> remove plug it. it in. Or remove <laughs> right. it. So the tamper resistance becomes kind of moot at some point. Yeah, I think the yeah. I think one of the drone tags might be minimally smaller, but I think you also have to add on external antennas, and theirs has got the the antenna built into the PCB SOC directly into it, so there's no additional antennas to add on, manage where you're going to stick those, and and all that sort of good stuff. Nice. I wonder if anybody will go to the trouble of creating a fake GPS module that just outputs <laughs> bad GPS data that you can solder to <laughs> to modules like this. But I don't yeah. know. Well, it doesn't seem like so, it'd be worth well, the effort. Even, but you don't know. Yeah, so just, as you guys were talking to, yeah, to me today, yeah. you wanted something that was uh, had was a uh, lightweight, was usable for uh, FPV, something that mm -hmm. if it got damaged because uh, you know some of us uh, crash and uh, and damage uh, our drones or some of the some components, and uh, we would want something like a remote ID module that wouldn't uh, break the bank, and so that uh, I think you've uh, you've hit all of your uh, design objectives, and so. 11 month piece of work and uh yeah a really fantastic job and uh, my my hat's off to both of you uh, there's a a statement i guess not so much a question in the youtube chat from nate teeter who's saying that he was interested in connecting the remote id module to a viFly strobe anti-collision drone light since it already has a battery and a usb-c plug so something like this you could probably just attach sure. it to that anti-collision light and i don't know if you maybe move those between drones or something but it seems like a convenient place to get a, yeah. get power and to store it if you if you're flying something that already has to have a big uh, strobe light like that on it yeah we yeah. You know, all of these things can pull we want it to be and um, and so you did 1s and it goes up what's the max voltage you guys know for this uh, module? five volts five, five volts. volts so you'd, yeah. you'd want to take it off of a uh um, a BEC or one of the uh, voltage uh, regulator tabs on a flight controller mm -hmm. or a um, yeah, 1S battery. So, yeah, and, and hello to Nate. He's a, a neighbor of, uh, of mine. The okay. current draw. So real quick, a couple, couple features, uh, you know, questions, I guess. So are we Bluetooth 5, Bluetooth 4? You know, what's the protocol you guys are using? Yeah. It, I'm sorry. Uh, it is it's Bluetooth five with a Bluetooth four legacy, okay. And the, the range is actually quite incredible. I was I was flying over the water uh, the other day. I was a quarter mile out over the the river, and I still had the the signal picked up on my cell phone on the. Uh, That's awesome. Was it the drone tag app? Excellent. Alex, cool, then, uh, I'm okay. sorry, Josh. 
Uh, what was the current draw for the five volts? Uh, it's about 200 milliamp. Okay. So, yeah, you know, 100 milliamp hour battery for you know half an hour. So it's it's under 200 milliamps. I I've been unable to get. Uh, yeah. If I was at home, I have a fluke. I can measure that. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I fly almost always with GPS other than my sub 250. That's just for fun. And um, so I've got GPS and I haven't seen any anecdotal flight time differences with the module bolted on. So as more so for like flight controller, uh, five volt regulator. Um, yeah, since this yeah. isn't something you're going to want to directly wire yeah. up to your 6S battery or anything. <laughs> right. No. Right. So, um, and then uh, what are we thinking for availability and quantities and prices? And then, uh, the, the ultimate question would be price. Um, well, we, uh, I said we, we've put about 11 months into this. It's just him and I and uh, all, the, all the prototyping time. We're still trying to see what the rest of the business looks like as far as, mm-hmm. as costs. And uh, when we come up with a price point, it's going to be very competitive to what else is out there. Perfect. Yeah, we and hope I, to. Uh, yeah, we hope to have things coming shortly, and and we're we're doing the kind of the basic. Let's see what the market does, and so we'll start with an order, and if it looks like there's big demand, we'll crank up the widget to get to make more of them. So, and yeah, can can I assume you'll stand up uh, your own website for this? Yes. Yep. So let us know uh, when you have a domain for that, and uh, we'll let uh, we'll pass that along. We'll be sure to uh, to get the word out. That uh, and uh, you know, we've we've got some some friends in the business that I'm sure would be happy to uh, to share that information around. So mm-hmm. we'll make it uh, we'll make it uh, uh, popular. And from right. what I've seen, it seems like the market's around a hundred dollars for modules that have the built-in uh, GPS and antennas and everything. So I don't know if you're yeah. planning on selling it with that specific GPS or bring your own module GPS to it or sell it both ways, but. That's sort of the price point I've been seeing lately. Yeah, we were planning on a, a bring your own GPS. I've I've tested. I have every M10 GPS that's on the market that I could find. Very some, cool. Some of them two or three, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 worked with all of them. And I've had to answer to my boss, like, "Honey, I know it's it's a GPS module." We <laughs> so got four of them last week. So yeah, we got five of them yep, this week. Sure did. <laughs> what are, the, are these things appropriate? Yeah. What, what is the on, what, what are you doing with these? Are you, Put you leave them in their bags in the box. You can't leave them together. <laughs> That's Excellent. epic. Anything? Well, anything guys, else? this Are is we picking up any questions uh, from uh, from YouTube or anywhere else, Dan? I'm not seeing any other questions. They were just asking about the price of it. Um, yeah. Right. So soon to be announced. Uh, once they they've nailed everything down, these guys have done amazing work uh, in a relatively short period of time, and uh, you know, like. Uh, Others that have uh, gone down this path or many other paths when it relates to our hobby, the ingenuity and the ability to solve problems in this industry is, you know, second to none, I think. Yeah, and this, this is know, a case. We see a problem a, and we fix it. Yeah, this is a case study for the FAA when the FAA says, well, you know, what is it with you guys? You know, you're, you know, careless, clueless and criminal. No, no. Yeah. You know, and here are two uh, technical people who got together on our Discord channel and figured out how to solve a problem at a great, great price point and hitting all of the design points of weight and ease of installation. So uh, yeah, this is definitely a great story. I'll I'll give you one other shout out to you all though as well. So um, we're all hooked up with Betaflight now as well. And our initial thought was to just do a straight pass through and um, 
when you guys came out with the MSP thing, we switched gears there to that because it simplified things for us. And so it was a benefit from our side. So it's uh, much appreciated. Great. Great. So I yeah. assume you've okay. had to install the nightly beta flight to test the MSP and get all the <laughs> settings just oh. right to make that work correctly. Well, the, yeah. be, the beta what, flight what? devs and the uh, um, uh, Ardu pilot. In fact, the two mm -hmm. authors of the MSP uh, message or the you know, loosely defined spec uh, we're both fantastic, as I've said, and are, are we are uh, very, very grateful uh, to both teams for you know, stopping what they're doing and working with us to get that, uh, you know, get what get us what we needed so that we could have a uh, uh, something that was uh, communicable. So I'm surprised no one on YouTube's asked this question yet. But is some or any of the code for this going to become open source so that other people can expand on it in any way? Yeah. So I don't think our code can be open source from the standpoint that it's a private product. We haven't investigated that. But if you're really curious about things, we've used plenty of open source code in this to make this. So um, you can go out and there's large chunks of the code to actually do the message that come from OpenIDC.org, I believe it is. So there's yeah. building blocks out there. So um, I don't know that we would need to make something open source necessarily to do it. It's, I mean, literally, we pretty much stitched together other people's libraries, which mm -hmm. is often the case in, in things. And so um, it's, from one perspective, already open source. Yeah, I'm just mm -hmm. thinking people have, have interesting, crazy ideas. Let's say they wanted to hook up a, a buzzer to it, and you had no way of notifying anything over a buzzer, and they wanted to write some code to m update your firmware so that it could sound a buzzer when certain things happened. Like people have interesting ideas and if they could, they like to build on something else um, if it's out there like that. Yeah, the, the, I think the other concern would be the FAA's uh, tamper resistance part of it. And then, you know. Yeah, right, and that's kind of why I was wondering takes if, the module and, if you could do that, that, part that was, of it where you've got sort of a hardened part that they, they can't touch, but other parts that they could, like all of the pass-through information that gets to beta flight was a part of an open source piece of the code that you were letting people modify because that doesn't interfere with the function of the remote ID module. Anyway, mm -hmm. just, just ideas. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess so one last thing, once, um, go. When, once we got it and it's, it's ready to be released, I do have the CAD models I was gonna upload to Thingiverse and then any of the other nice. uh, models that I've been working on for cases and we'll reference all the ones that I found that actually fit just straight out of Thingiverse. Awesome. And a friend of mine who's also in FPV, <clears throat> he's a graphics designer. He actually designed the Penguin Encounter at SeaWorld in Orlando. Uh, he's what? working on a case. He's like, yeah, I'll work on a case for you. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's so, really, that's well, really we have friends. Thanks. Thanks to him. Yeah. If you don't find anybody who, or, you know, if that falls through for any reason, there's um, a guy, gosh, now I can't remember his name, but he's on um, on the Bardwell's live streams all the time, and he makes all kinds of TPU 3D printed mounts for all kinds of uh, video transmitters and receivers and stuff. Like they usually fold in half and are well designed and fit real easily. And yeah, gosh, it, actually, no. it, it, it fits in the one for the dual ER, ELRS modules. Yeah, I don't know if that's the one that he designed <laughs> or not. Uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to help design something as well. There you go. Yeah, just like that. So. It's so tiny. <laughs> nice. Excellent. I love it, so, guys. Excellent Brian work, and guys. Ken, thank you very much. And thank you for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. You're welcome to, to hang in on video or, uh, or sign off, whichever your choice. Josh, All how right. are you?
Thank you much. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. So, uh, I do have a couple news articles. I don't know if I'll get uh, across to all of them, but uh, I do want to. Uh, let me see if I can get my. Well, Josh is loading that up. There's one more question here in the YouTube from Nate, uh, possibly for for Dave. He's wondering if anyone's heard about the Albany, New York story, where legislators are trying to ban drones from flying over schools. Yes. It's actually on my. Oh, it's list. even in your list. Okay. <laughs> so it'll be coming up shortly. So, uh, real quick, we do have a new FAA administrator uh, has been confirmed. So this is uh, Mr. Michael Whitaker. Um, so the the last guy, uh, as Alex and I like to joke about, uh, struggled a little bit uh, in uh, his confirmation hearing and uh, decided to eventually uh, and, and probably for the better bow out. But uh, this gentleman uh, has we've been without a permanent leader uh, for 18 months and he'll serve a five year term barring anything else happening. Uh, the FAA has been without a permanent leader since Steve Dixon resigned in March 20, uh, 2022. Whitaker's confirmation arrived just in time as Polly Trottenberg, who has been in the role of acting administrator since June, was prohibited from serving in the role past October 25th. <laughs> Um, Whitaker was nominated by President Joe Biden on September 7th and unanimously, unanimously approved by the Senate uh, Commerce, Science and Transportation Committee on October 18th. After a hearing earlier in the month, the confirmation process has been virtually undisputed because of Whitaker's extensive aviation experience within both the public and private sectors, which led to a quick vote by the full Senate. Uh, he served as the deputy administrator of NextGen at the FAA uh, between 2013 and 2016. Um, during which he became familiar with issues facing general aviation pilots. Over his career, he has spent time at Transworld Airlines, United Airlines, Interglobe Enterprises, and Hyundai uh, Urban Air Mobility. Ooh, fancy. Prior to his confirmation as administrator between January 2022 uh, and October 2023, Whitaker had worked in various leadership roles at Supernal, a mobility service provider developing advanced air mobility electric aircraft mm. and supporting transit ecosystems. Isn't so wait, isn't Supernal where uh, isn't Supernal where um, what's his name? The prior um, UAS director went to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Hyundai is where uh, uh, the number two uh, from Pre- um, Precision Hawk went. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Lots so. of lots of a lots of uh, AC mm-hmm. and DAC people uh, at Hyundai. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what he brings to the table. Uh, and uh, as always, it's it, it's interesting to uh, learn to interact with these uh, fine folk um, in the in the government sphere. So uh, hopefully he is uh, um, at least, uh, I guess, amicable with uh, recreational drone use as well as commercial. Uh, we'll see where that leads. Um, but uh, I think with some urban air mobility uh type background he's going to be a a little more knowledgeable i think in the uh uas sphere so i give that a a a decent thumbs up and uh, we'll see what happens uh hopefully that doesn't turn into a thumbs down later so uh next uh the the requested uh news article so new drone bill needs faa approval so this comes out of albany county new york Although a newly proposed uh, state law that would ban the intentional use of drones over schools appears on its face to conflict with federal regulations, 
the Federal Aviation uh, Administration does permit such laws on a case-by-case basis, giving the path forward. The bill is sponsored uh, in the state Senate by Senator Neil Breslin and will soon be sponsored in the Assembly by Assemblywoman Pat Fahey. It was written in response to an October 12th incident where a drone affiliated with a nearby real estate company flew over several schools in the Bethlehem District, the high school in Slingerlands and Eagle Elementary Schools. In a statement provided to the Enterprise this week, the FAA suggested that this law would overstep the administration's jurisdiction. Uh, They said the FAA is responsible for the safety of our national airspace system. This includes all airspace from the ground up. While local laws and ordinance may restrict where drones can take off or land, they cannot restrict a drone from flying in airspace permitted by the FAA. We prohibit drones from flying over designated national security sensitive facilities like military bases, national landmarks, and certain critical infrastructures such as nuclear power plants. Um, upon inquiry, Breslin's chief of staff, Marine Centino, told the Enterprise that the law had been drafted at the request of Bethlehem School District and that inconsistencies were being discovered. We're probably going to make some amendments at some point. The legislative session doesn't start till January, so we've got plenty of time to look at things and get feedback from people. However, Fahey's spokesperson, Alexander Flood, told the Enterprise that the Assemblywoman stood by the bill as proposed, referring to a document published by the FAA that says some exceptions will be made for privacy-related restrictions over schools, parks, and areas other areas considered sensitive, though it does not say outright that these laws are permitted in all cases. For example, the document reads, a privacy-related ban on uh, UAS operations over an entire city would likely would very likely be preempted because it would completely prohibit UAS from using or traversing the airspace above the city and impede the FAA and Congress's ability to safely and effectively integrate UAS into the national airspace. Elsewhere, the document says restrictions on how UAS are utilized instead of where they may operate in the airspace would more likely be consistent with federal preemption uh, principles. So here's the here's the gist of all that uh, language. Um, so essentially, they're using a document that the FAA put out saying that if you're using them for surveillance or for whatever reason, that they can propose a, a law that says you can't fly there. So if it's a privacy type law, um, then it could end up with cities, states, localities, counties, uh, in this case, massively restricting where people can fly. Um, and this comes into question with another state, um, that, uh, had some, had an overturn, uh, Texas overturned their, their, uh, uh, um, ban on drones for this, uh, for a very, uh, a similar uh, reason here. So uh, it's definitely, uh, I guess, as they say, a slippery slope on whether the FAA will allow this or not. Um, but they, as it does uh, sit in here, they are working on this with the FAA uh, to see what they can come up with uh, in relation to proposing this uh, this bill. So Wouldn't it just be I, easier to I... define all elementary schools as critical infrastructure for the national security because you're teaching students, you know, of the future to, I don't know, something like that. That just seems like an easier way to go. Just redefine 
all schools are now um... well and here's here's the flip side though is you know let's say we designate a school to uh you know in that case then what about stem in those locations what about the ability for like i mean well, i know in Arizona, tons like of, here in, tons of schools have sporting events where they've got a drone flying over recording the event on purpose so right and or but STEM here's classes, the flip side yeah. is here in Arizona, and I'm sure this is similar in, in many parts across the country, schools are integrated into the neighborhoods. So what's the what's the effective radius of this, you know, this law? You know, is it 500 feet? Is it 1,000 feet? Is it a mile? You know, what's what's the effective radius of, of it, it basically would be like a free lawful it's like, fly, right? It has to stop yeah. at the, the, the sidewalks. <laughs> I mean, an anti-free. An anti-free. Anti-free. So if, I, if I could build on that... Um, uh, the assembly bill is um, assembly 08176. Um, I've been in touch with uh, Assemblywoman Fahey. Uh, her uh, legislative assistant uh, responded within 24 hours, which blew me away. Uh, when, <laughs> I, when I sent um, uh, right around the uh, remote ID uh, NPRM, I sent numerous memos into uh, my senator, Senator Schumer, uh, his office, and he took um, only 18 months to get back to me. At which point, he he told me that the uh, he couldn't understand what uh, my questions were about because the uh, reauthorization act had passed. With, well, Gee, no kidding. I why. 18 months. Uh. So, b- big shout out to uh, Assemblywoman uh, Fahey's uh, staff for getting back to us so uh, quickly. We're, we're very appreciative to that. As Josh said, they cited a July guidance document, that's July 2023, uh, that um, fuzzes things up. Uh, Vic Moss and I are working on this, and Vic has contacted the FAA and cited this example and one other. Then uh, we're asking the FAA again to please get involved. And so um, uh, Assemblywoman Fahey's uh, staff is working with the FAA. I've asked who, you know, who is it? Are you, who are you working with? Be, because certainly this divides into two pieces. One, critical infrastructure. No question. We get it. There's uh, uh, no no hesitation. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's that should not, you know, you're not flying over criti- critical infrastructure, to Dan's uh, joke. Um, and then two, schools, there's the uh, big unintended consequences for, for restricting school grounds. And that is, so if the law says an aircraft is a small UAS. So if you if you restrict drones, you're restricting all small UAS. So park flyers, small model airplanes, STEM programs. You know, to us, this is a ridiculous piece of legislation, uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be working it. And so, and as, Nate, if you have anything uh, anything further or any uh, background or contacts, welcome to hear them. And as Shane points out in the YouTube, uh, like if this is related to surveillance and video cameras and footage, like cars have cameras in them all over the place and they're yeah. driving by schools all the time and dropping kids off. Like they're recording right. Yeah. Right. kids and, doing all kinds of things. Yeah. And we're, I, we're pretty confident that there are plenty of laws on the books that would uh, restrict um, uh, any, uh, un, uh, any nefarious activities uh, from cameras. So these are just cameras in the air. So why don't we approach it that way instead of, Oh, let's create a, a no fly zone. And I mean, even further, if it's if it, you know, they they did state in here that, you know, kids were at recess when this happened and all that kind of stuff. Well, we have laws on flights over people. Right. So uh, and regulations for that. So there's a lot of stuff that's already covered by this and and 
just doesn't make sense. But, you know, the telling part here for me is this little uh, uh, slip of language right here. Like you, we are not also entirely familiar with what drones can do. <laughs> That's why they pose an unknown threat and why it makes makes sense that there should be some rules regarding their use around schools. We don't People know what we, they do, so we should the ban them. Right, right, ban. exactly. It's like, oh my God, you know, God forbid that you actually take five seconds to do a little research to understand what these these uh, right. you know. So yeah, so I'm a, I'm an hour away from our state capital, so uh, this could be an opportunity for a, a road trip for me. Yeah, drive up to Albany. It's uh, <laughs> an easy hop, and uh, and like I say, uh, shout out to uh, Assemblywoman uh, Fahey's uh, team for being so responsive. Uh, we hope that they uh, they have some patience with us, and they continue to be as responsive. Uh, th this will, uh, as Josh said, this this will will require some uh, some back and forth. Absolutely. So, um, real quick, uh, I do want to touch. Uh, we we bring them up often, but uh, Zipline and uh, Cleveland Clinic partner on prescription drone delivery. So this alliance uh, represents Zipline's fourth uh, with a major U.S. health system in 2023 following agreements with Intermountain Healthcare, Ohio Health, and Michigan Medicine. So one of the most highly regarded healthcare providers in the U.S. will soon deliver prescriptions via drone. Uh, Cleveland Clinic, considered one of the top hospital systems in the world based on rankings, uh, is partnering with drones, uh, drone delivery provider Zipline to fly certain medications directly to patients' porches, patio tables, or front steps starting in 2025. Deliveries will be made using Zipline's Platform 2 delivery system, which is designed to complete 10 statute mile uh, trips to dense urban areas in about 10 minutes. The largest drone delivery provider on Earth in terms of sheer volume, Zipline has completed more than 800,000 deliveries of some 8.3 million items to date per the company's website. The bulk of these are on-demand healthcare deliveries of cargo such as blood, vaccines, and prescription medicine. So again, uh, Zipline uh, is a shining example of drone delivery done right, I think, and um, hopefully this uh, leads to the benefit of of many uh, around the country. And yeah, and the I, I think the accolades for Cleveland Clinic are, are well earned. They are innovators in all sorts of technology that assists healthcare. So this is you know, another example of uh, Cleveland uh, Clinic. And this is really good for us from a perspective of this is a, uh, a trusted healthcare provider uh, that will uh, work to uh, uh, to look to do good with uh, with ZipLine, and, and this will help uh, the overall imaging. Yep, absolutely. So this is definitely a drones for good, and I feel like uh, you know ZipLine has a, a very marketable. Uh, uh, niche that uh, they're they're utilizing in a in a definitely uh, well mannered way. So uh, I do wanted to. Oh, apparently we're just going to show some 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 arrested. This is the New York Post. So what do you expect? But uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, New York never far far from our hearts tonight, uh, especially with Dave being a New Yorker and. Uh, so the NYPD is in agreement to buy a space age looking drone detection vehicle to thwart possible terror attacks from above. The post has learned. 38,000 so, people in NYPD 
This is this is a police force that has international agents working in counterterrorism around the world. Not They're getting kidding. a fancy van. They're getting a fancy van. <laughs> so they can put, park those at all the schools to prevent drones from flying around? Is that what You know, it might be. Yeah. So uh, the vehicle anyone, is being... Yeah. Being customized by Flymotion allows NYPD to be vigilant against the hazard posed by the use of unmanned aircraft systems or drones, especially amongst those who will place an explosive or dispersal device on the UAS with the intent of causing harm. The Trident vehicle, which is designed to serve as a mobile drone command center, reportedly cost about $300,000 when it was first unveiled in 2016. It's not clear how much the customized version would cost today. On the inside, the converted Mercedes-Benz van, man, they are rolling in style, <laughs> has two large they flat panel displays. They couldn't have used displays. a Ford Transit or anything, huh? They, right? That can show video feeds from two to four different sources. So here you go. Um, this is uh, looks like stock stock footage. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean. Yeah, so we're going so Rob was briefly on. I'm sure Rob's not rolling in a big Merc. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your van right there. So. <laughs> Why stretch sprinter? Very not nice. even a U.S. manufactured car, huh? I mean, yeah, and I think we should get one. This, this <laughs> like the, uh, uh, as Alex, this is your know, race vehicle. Living, living around the uh, around the D.C. area, New York City is second only to the uh, Washington D.C. area, tenderly known the uh, FRZ or the Freeze, mm -hmm. where you cannot fly, and in New York City, you cannot fly. There is a a new permit process that'll cost you money that's non-refundable and it'll take you a long time to get it so good luck so, with that yeah one. that that permit system is fun right so you pay your fee you get denied and they keep your fee new york <laughs> forget about it Jeez. well if we want one of those we're gonna have to raise our membership fees a little bit a little bit you know i mean man that's nice I got I got two dollars to contribute towards. It. <laughs> okay, all right. Anywho, yeah. um, hey, we did get we did work with the uh, FDNY. Um, that was twenty twenty one. Had an opportunity. They have a seventeen person full time drone fleet. So these uh, drone pilots for um, fire department in New York City full-time these these folks and they're all firefighters so they have to be firefighters in order to get on the uh, the flight team so that they knew all of the safety and precautions etc and they were doing uh, great work uh, back then as well as uh, now so uh, they're they're as much as we joke and tease about uh, new york uh, they had some good things uh, going and uh, very very useful uh, to uh, put a, uh, a drone up and outside of a, a big fire and uh, assist the, uh, the command center with really good data. I think if the NYPD gets that van, I think we all go to Dave's house and we'll take a trip and we'll go, you know, tour the van. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know anyone in high up and, oh, I might, I might. <laughs> Form, all right. There you go. There you go. We just, you know, we just, hey, we just want to see the van. Well, if you do the right, <laughs> if you do the right slash wrong thing, you can have the van show up at your house. So. Hey, <laughs> they'll drive it to you. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, there's New York and there's New York, and I'm right. way up state. Hmm. All right, so uh, controversial Texas drone law reinstated in a blow for journalists. 
Uh, so in a blow to the rights of Texas journalists to use drones in their reporting, uh, a federal appeals court panel has reversed a lower court ruling that has found the state's restrictive drone law unconstitutional. Three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on October 23rd overturned a 2022 ruling that had found Chapter 423 of the Texas Government Code violated the First Amendment rights of photojournalists. The appeals court ruling reinstates the controversial law but leaves the door open for journalists to challenge the application of the law on a narrow case-by-case basis. In the 38-page ruling, the appeals court panel led by Circuit Judge Don Willett found that the U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman had erred in March 2022 when he agreed that the plaintiffs in the case had a sweeping First Amendment right to use unmanned aerial drones to film private individuals and property without their consent. However, Alicia Calzada, attorney for the National Press Photographers Association, which is representing the plaintiffs in the case, disputed the appeals court assertion. Contrary to the characterization of the court, we have never claimed a sweeping First Amendment right to use unmanned aerial drones in a manner that constitutes an invasion of privacy. Invasion of privacy was a violation of the law before the statute was passed and continues to be so, and we have never claimed otherwise. So uh, this goes on and on, and uh, I encourage you to read it, especially if you live in Texas. But uh, uh, it's interesting that a a state known so much for its... uh, relatively freedom uh freedom you know free rules and, and and that kind of thing um locks down uh drones of all things right so, yeah well there's lots of things that they uh, like to legislate that are none of their business <laughs> <laughs> so uh definitely check that out uh you know it, it's a case of privacy and filming people uh without their permission and that kind of thing so It'll definitely uh, be interesting. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up tonight, I know uh, we went a little, uh, we're a little late, so, uh, but uh, I wanted to touch on it. This is a, a great shout out, especially for uh, maybe the guys over at uh, Flight Test to check out. So Manchester University, and yes, this is in the UK, but uh, engineers of the University of Manchester have flown what they claim may be the biggest unmanned quadcopter drone built yet. The university says it is unaware of a bigger unmanned quadcopter, but there's no independent verification of the record. As the name suggests, quadcopters are drones with four propellers. Hmm, I didn't know. <laughs> so this drone is made so from So is there any board. coincidence that the that it's the Guinness World Book World Book of Records? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So the drone is made from foam board, giving it a cardboard-like appearance and spans 6.2 meters corner to corner. Yeah. Um, The first flight of the giant foam board quadcopter, they're calling it the GFQ, (laughs) took place in July inside of a hangar at Snedonia Airspace Center. Um, The GFQ's pilot, Kiernan Wood, a lecturer in the aerospace systems at the university, said the first moments of flight are the make or break point for these type of multi-copter drones. There are many hundreds of things that you must get right. So why did they build this? Fair. I guess because Uh, it was there. They had some extra (laughs) foam board around. That's a lot of foam foam board. The drone, which can be flown atop. I've got it. Look at this. Oh, there it is. Okay. So they did so, make it structural. Uh, so I'll, I'll play the video. I don't know if it'll play very well. I'll pause at some key points. I'm what was the question they're off. trying to answer? There. <laughs> That's a big boy. <laughs> is it bigger than the 
drones that were built to put people in them, but then were flown without people in them that they're supposed to race eventually. That's what I wanted to see. I think so. So just tapered beam analysis, Alex. (laughs) Hey, they even rounded their corners. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Good fillet work. Yeah, those motors look so tiny on that. I know they do. (laughs) And it's hot. It's like if I put uh, tiny whoop motors and props on my five inch. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. So they're they're pointing out that the foam foam board is a composite, and that's absolutely the case. And that's what the flight test takes advantage of that every day when they put spars in their um, mm-hmm. uh, fixed wing airplanes without any carbon fiber. They're all folded beams, D beams, and C tubes, and is this going to be I the mean, next spec class racing drone setup? Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. Six months to complete. <clears throat> lots, lots of hot glue. I'm guessing it won't survive a crash very well. Small <laughs> I can group test of it. Under- <laughs> there you go. Huh. Huh. Those butt joints are all. Yeah, that's. Oh. Oh. oh man! I, I would of, guess a lot of extra f- weight there. The flight controller is doing a lot of work to make that thing fly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so that's all I got for this evening. Um, I know there's uh, other stuff that's uh, happening out there. Um, I had to kind of narrow down the articles this week, which was a, a blessing for sure. So the last couple of weeks have been, a, or less, last couple of town halls have been a little dry. But yeah. uh, I, I mean, I, I'm still going back to the van. Like, I need the van. Sprinter. I really want the a van. Big stretch sprinter. <laughs> well, if they're going to confiscate a drone that's 21 feet wide, they're going to need a bigger van. <laughs> The funny thing is, is they talk about, and I didn't really touch base on this, but they asked them if they were going to put counter drone technology on there. And they're like, well, we're not really allowed to, but uh, maybe in the future. Oh, guaranteed they are. (laughs) (laughs) We're not allowed to. That's right. This is NYPD you're talking about. (laughs) By their own country. It it, it depends what you define counter drone technology as. Like, what if you just have a bunch of FPV drones and you just start flying them around and they happen to hit the other? drone out of the sky like oh, is that whoops. counter <laughs> counter drone technology release the hawks <laughs> i got my 12 i got my 12 gauge in the back <laughs> all right all right what else we got alex you got anything for us sir uh well multi gp champs was uh last week no uh two week no it was last weekend yeah last... it's been <laughs> a blur it? it's been a blur Alex hasn't yes, gotten much week. sleep since he went to champs. Yeah, last <laughs> week. So 24th through the 28th. So sports class was 24th, 25th. Pro class was 26th through the 28th. Um, in uh, sport class, we had, um, let's see, we had abnormal dabs and scorcher taking third, second, and first. Um, Who then took fifth? For pro class uh we had uh proximo in third drobot racer in second and uh, mck again in first so uh the stream had a lot more graphics in it 
Um, the track was all was again set up with LEDs. It was a fun track to fly. It flew great. And uh, the competition in sport was a lot more difficult this year than uh, last year. So there's a huge jump in uh, skill level for the sport championship the past couple of years. Is there anything that forces people to move up or can you stay in sport as long as you want? Or what are the incentives for choosing sport over pro class? Well, it all depends on how you qualify on the GQ. So if you qualify above 150 on the GQ, you have no option. If you qualify uh, <laughs> no above options. 150, well, then uh, you're stuck in sport. <laughs> or you don't okay. go. <laughs> or you don't. Fair. <laughs> so, uh, just depends on how you qualify. So it sounded like a, a fantastic event, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that the the enthusiasm and the great coverage, great uh, social media coverage that uh, you guys uh, did for the event, I hope that's uh, uh, we're translating into some chapter um, enthusiasm and excitement to uh, to start racing uh, whoops in the winter in the north and uh, get ready for spring. And congratulations for your results, Alex. That's uh, no mean feat with uh, everything else you're carrying. That's uh, that's a great deal. And you got to see Minchin fly. That I would love to have seen. <laughs> Amazing. I, I left before pro, so I didn't actually get to watch him fly. But I've seen Aww. him fly uh, elsewhere at, mm -hmm. there you go. at other events. So Cool, cool. All right, Dan, anything for us this evening? Nope, nothing new the last couple of weeks that I can think of. All I do right. have some remote ID modules I need to get uh, some more testing and answer more people's questions about, though. So, Great. Dave, thanks, Dave. Got the box and Excellent. got the modules in it. Excellent. <laughs> got Excellent. some work Good. to do. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. Cool, cool. And uh, Rob, uh, Rob, I need your. Uh, I, I I need you guys to get a van. <laughs> <laughs> well. I jumped in late, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tracking yet. Oh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> New York. Hold on, I'll bring up the van. Yeah, watch the replay. Awesome. Yeah, NYPD has uh, found a, uh, or they, they have a, a stretch sprinter. There you the, go. I can't imagine what this thing priced out at. It's their drone van. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a fly motion product. They're out of Florida. Um, so we we actually run one, not quite that big, but we run a similar concept as well for for our long term stuff. Nice. I need. I, I want to nice. see. I want to see the van at some point <laughs> next time I come. Road trip. We'll come out here. We'll show it to you. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. All right. And uh, and Josh, uh, we're just starting up work on, as you know, um, but for everyone else, on the uh, drone um, advisory council. And so, uh, this is the group that we talked about a couple times, and uh, uh, very excited to have um, a loft. Uh, John Hagrain's chairing it. Uh, we are uh, co-founders uh, with on on the effort, uh, Influential Drones Pilot Institute, and uh, uh, Vic Moss from Drone Service Provider Alliance, and a couple other uh, folks as well. And so, we're cranking up uh, an activity. Uh, Greg Revendue from Pilot Institute and I are co-chairing that, and that's on standard remote ID. That should help or uh, should benefit both recreational as well as Part One Hundred Seven. So we'll see how. Uh, uh, what the approach is on trying to convince the uh, the FAA that they want to take on some of these changes, make it a little easier for us to fly legally and purchase legally um, uh, bind and fly drones, as well as uh, use them in recreation, as well as Part 107. 
So more on that uh, as we uh, as we get that refined. That's right. excellent, and keep keep driving that, and uh, hope to see some good results. There's a there's a comment in YouTube here for you, Dave, from Steady Eddie FPV, inviting you to come up and fly whoops this season. Uh, they fly Sundays in I don't know how to pronounce that. It looks like Water Villet. Water Water Villet. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. I will. I I have two uh, tiny uh, trainers. Uh, one it's complete and running and the another another on the board so with uh, two of them built uh, i might have uh, enough to uh, complete a couple of races there you go <laughs> excellent we need videos <laughs> dvr it didn't happen yeah. <laughs> yeah i have no excuse oh the card was full oh. <laughs> you could always right. take somebody else's dvr pretend yeah. it's yours all right steady eddie we need to uh you need to let us know if dave doesn't show up because we'll force the issue all right so we need we need to see him race this is uh this is a must at some point in the next six months so all right. So uh, with that, guys, uh, thank you for joining us this evening. I hope you found uh, tonight's uh, town hall uh, informative. I think we got uh, a, a very valid uh, remote ID module, uh, another one uh, out on the, the books. We look forward to seeing uh, the price point on that and the excellent work that those uh, two gentlemen were able to accomplish. And then, uh, you know, if you spot the van, anybody in New York, I want pictures. Yeah, and congratulations to Ken and Brian on the uh, and their declaration of compliance approval. That, that's a big deal, and so uh, that'll be a, that's an approved module, and they have uh, they have the their number, is, uh, so they're legit, they're bona fide. Hey, Josh, so, uh, I, I got to throw this out there. So if you like that van, Fly Motion makes an armored version of that van. Yes. That's what you need. That's the one you need. Yes, I need it. <laughs> That's how you can fly without having to worry about somebody coming up and stealing your equipment when you're flying. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. The ultimate I think it gets small to the gallon. Okay, <laughs> I just so, want to get a school bus and renovate that. Into a shop. No, 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 no. I I need somebody. I we okay. We need I'm to get urban. in touch with Fly Motion. I need my my uh, my taco, my Tacoma, converted <laughs> into an armored drone vehicle. This is what needs to happen. All right, cool. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good night. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you in another couple of weeks. Thanks. Excellent. Bye. Thank you, guys. Great night.